on this morning to gather here in your name. God, you are good, you are great, and you are greatly to be praised. God, we're thankful for all of your good and gracious gifts. We would readily acknowledge that we don't deserve anything except your fierce hand. Yet you are kind towards us. And as we have just sung, your goodness and your mercy toward us. For that alone, we give you the praise. God, you have kept us. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you have kept this church, that you have kept this pastor here, standing on the wall as a watchman over these, your sheep. God, we do magnify you today. And as we come climbing up to this moment where the word of God is preached, I'm asking, oh God, for these, your sheep, that you would give them ears to hear the word of God and that you would give them hearts to comprehend it and that you would give them hands and feet to live it out that you might be glorified. God, I'm asking that you would be with me, that you would work through my limitations. For you know, oh God, that I am feeble, I am fragile, and I am frail. You know, oh God, that I'm not the best, and I need you, O oh God. I need you, Father. And I'm leaning on your spirit now to speak a word in season. Now, God, we say not unto us. No, Lord, not unto us. But to your name be all the glory and the honor and the praise. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, why don't you give God some praise in the house this morning? God has been merciful to you all in that he has given you Pastor Nate Bishop to serve faithfully here in this church. I recently read a statistic that said over 1,700 pastors per month leave the ministry. And this is a statistic that really hit home to me about two weeks ago when my best friend and pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, stepped down, young man, from his ministry and quit the ministry. And you have a man that is still here amidst all the struggles, all the negativity that comes his way, everything that he has to deal with week in and week out, he's still here. And you ought to give God some praise this morning for the man that God has given to you to shepherd this flock. Pastoring is a hard job. It is a hard job. One, one old preacher said that it is the highest calling that a man may ever receive. That to do anything else other than to preach, if if a pastor was to become a king, that that would be a step down. Pastoring is a high calling from God. And I'm thankful for Pastor Bishop and his friendship and this warm invitation that he has given to me. I'm also thankful for Sister Bishop because that is a hard job as well. To see her husband uh, 
time and time again. To serve and to give up himself. And for some time that to be a thankless job. I'm pretty sure that wears on her. And so I'm thankful for Sister Bishop and her hanging in there with her husband. And you ought to give her a round of applause. We're praying for you at Watson Memorial Baptist Church. And I bring you greetings from Watson where I have the distinct privilege of pastoring the people of God there. And I want to acknowledge any and all of the Watsonites that are in the house on this morning. If you would not mind standing so that I can see you and I can mark you present. Amen. Amen and praise God. Thank you. Thank God for two of the ministers that have accompanied me on this morning, Reverend Wilson and Reverend Jackson. Thank you. And also thank you to my lovely wife, Chandra, of 12 years. Best years of my life has been married to this woman. And I'm grateful for my children who have also accompanied her on today. I don't want to be before you very long. And so I would have you turn with me this morning to the book of Acts. And I want to lift a word out of verse 28 in chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. If you have that, if you can make me feel at home by standing if you can. For the reading of the word of God. Acts chapter number 20, verse 28. The word of God reads this way. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. If I could put a tag on this text, I would like to use this for a theme thought in my thesis, the priorities of a pastor. You may have your seats in the presence of our good, great, and gracious God. The, pre, the priorities of a pastor. Story is told about a shepherd who fell asleep on the job. Shepherding was tedious and tiresome. And so this shepherd, being tired, fell asleep. Once he fell asleep, there were some rebel forces, as in this particular time the, the country was in war crisis that came and caught this shepherd who was supposed to be tending to his sheep. They found him asleep. These rebel forces took the sheep from their shepherd. They herded them and they led them 
away from this particular shepherd. Shepherd awoke only to find that his sheep were now missing in action. And as he began to search for the sheep, he saw that these rebel forces had in fact taken the sheep and had led them down a hill across a ravine and over another hilltop. He noticed that there was a great distance between him and his sheep. And not only was there a great distance, but he also noticed the army of rebels that had taken his sheep from his charge, knowing that he could not by foot make up the distance and the grounds to get the sheep. And also acknowledging the fact that even if he could make up the ground to get to the sheep, that he was only one shepherd and there were countless rebel forces. He found himself in a perplexing and a difficult situation. And so in an act of desperation, a Hail Mary if you please, the shepherd did the only thing that he knew how to do, which in this situation was to take both of his hands and to cup his mouth with both of his hands and to let out a cry and a unique and particular call, not to the rebel forces, but to his sheep. When he let out this particular call, the first time the sheep stopped dead in their tracks, and they, their ears perked up. And when he let out the call the second time, the, the sheep recognizing that it was the voice of their shepherd, began to do an about face and they began to march back down the hill across the ravine over the hilltop and back into the care of their shepherd it was a desperate situation and the sheep understood the situation as they recognized the voice of their shepherd that they were in fact in the care of wrong shepherds and so they made their way back to the shepherd and the guardian of their own souls my brothers and my sisters that is the job and the duty of a shepherd to by any means necessary to care for the sheep that God has entrusted into his charge that is the message really of Acts chapter 20 it gives us the description of a shepherd and his function as how, how he is to carry out his activity to the honor and the glory of Christ. The job of a shepherd is twofold, and, and oftentimes it is misunderstood. There are pastors that don't understand what they are supposed to do as pastors, and at the same time, there are sheep that don't understand what exactly is the job of a pastor. 
that the pastor, my brothers and sisters, his, his job, his qualifications, his application, his resume is outlined for us as we march through the New Testament. For you find in 1 Peter chapter number 5 that Peter tells the shepherds to shepherd the flock of God that is among them, not exercising, the exercising oversight, not under compulsion, uh, but setting an example for the sheep. It is a twofold relationship. The shepherd is to set an example. He is to exercise oversight. And at the same time, the sheep have a responsibility to their shepherd. All you have to do is read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It has already been mentioned, but, but the shepherd is to mature the saints and, and to grow the saints. That, that reminds us, my brothers and my sisters, that not only does the shepherd have a job to feed the sheep, but the sheep have a responsibility to respond to their shepherd so that they might grow in the fear and the admonition and the knowledge of the Lord. That, that is, that, that, it, that really is the job of the shepherd to grow the sheep. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 7 reminds us to remember those who, who led you by giving you the word of God. To, to, to remember them as they set this example. And then in verse number 17, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 13 that shepherds are in charge of watching over your souls. There is an eternal perspective in the vocation which a shepherd is to discharge. Can I pause parenthetically and just remind some of you who are listening to me on this morning, some of you will make it from earth into glory by way of the care of your shepherd. Some of you will, will get to heaven only by means of a shepherd reaching out to you when you feel like wandering sometimes. That, that some of you, according to Hebrews chapter 13, as the shepherd watches over your soul, he ensures that you get from time into eternity in safe passage. This is, this is a serious job, Pastor Bishop. God has equipped you for such a job. I, I want to give you on this morning from Acts chapter 20, verses 28, two priorities of a pastor. Two priorities of a pastor. And here is my preaching proposition. If I could just put this in a box, wrap it up in a package, put a bow around it and leave it at your door like FedEx. I would simply tell you that what this text is teaching the church is that you are far too precious to God not to have a shepherd watch over your souls. I believe that's what this text is teaching us, that you are far too precious to God not to have a relationship and a bond 
and a trust for the shepherd that God has set over your lives to get you into eternity in a safe passage. Priority number one. The shepherd must keep or keep up his own personal life. That he is responsible for the upkeep of himself. Notice what the text says, beginning in verse number 28. Pray you brought your Bibles with you. We're going to use it on this morning. Verse number 28 says, be on guard for yourself. The first priority of a shepherd, Pastor Bishop, is to keep his own personal life doctrinally and morally to, to keep those two areas of his life up. Paul writing here to the church, to a church at Ephesus, which is the context in which we find these words, that he writes to some elders in the church at Ephesus, reminding them of their duty to be on guard for themselves. These are obviously elders for in verse 17, Paul writing here uh, says it says uh, rather from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Now in verse number 28, Paul is writing to remind the elders of the charge that they have been given by God. You, you know about the church there at Ephesus, don't you? Ephesus was started by a power couple by the name of Priscilla and Aquila. And they, they, they started the church and then Paul comes along and, and he fortifies and establishes the church. He, he remains in this pastorate for three years and, and he, he, he serves this church and he leads this church faithfully before handing it over to a young man in the middle ministry by the name of Timothy. Timothy is the apostolic delegate of the apostle Paul that, that is to lead the church and to establish the church in a God-honoring way. Now, now we find that in the church of Ephesus that there are problems now. For you, if you read your Bibles, then you'll find out that there was false teaching that was going on in the church there at Ephesus. There were two men that had joined the elder board, one by the name of Alexander and the other by the name of Hamanaeus. And they were peddling and pushing and pressing and propagating false doctrine to the church that was there at Ephesus. If you keep reading your Bibles, you'll come to Revelation chapter 2 verses 1. One through seven and Jesus has some words for the church that was there at Ephesus he told them that you have left your first love what what started as a small what seemingly small problem in Ephesus here in Acts chapter 20 verses 28 has in turn turned into a huge problem by the time you get to your to the end of your Bible the church has fallen away doctrinally by not heeding to the words that are found here in verse number 28. 
Can I just submit to you on this morning before I make my way back to Watson that doctrine matters. That, 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 that doctrine matters. That you can never have too much theology. That, that you can never have too much doctrine. Doctrine matters. Doctrine and right doctrine. Orthodox doctrine will lead to an orthopraxy or a right kind of living. Doctrine matters my brothers and my sisters. It matters that we know that God is triune father son and holy spirit and he exists as those three persons at the same time never having a beginning never have an ending it matters that we understand that the father chose some before the foundation of the earth and the son died for those that the father chose and the spirit takes the work of the son and applies it to the lives of the elect it matters I cannot tell you why so that when you get saved you know who the glory belongs to. You ain't sitting in church because you saved yourself. You ain't sitting in the church on this morning because you so smart and you so intellectual. If it was not for the grace of God, there go I. If it was not for God stepping in and rescuing me and picking me up and turning me around, I'd still be dead in my trespasses and my sins. Doctrine matters. It matters that we understand that Jesus is 200%, that he is 100% God, and at the same time, he's 100% man. Oh, it matters when you understand your plight before God, that when you understand that there was a great chasm between you and God. That your sin made it impossible for you to get from your side of the fence over to God's side of the fence. And Jesus, the one mediator, stepped in between you and God, fully God, able to pay the eternal debt. And enough man that was able to take the, the payment to God on your behalf that you might be in right relationship with God, the Father doctrine. It, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters that we understand that the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. That, that the only way that you can ever be saved is through an exclusive gate, a narrow gate, a narrow road. Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? That there is salvation in no other name than in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the only way that you can be saved is if you come through Jesus. That there is no, there's salvation not in Buddha, not in Muhammad, not in Haile Selassie, not in black Hebrew Israelite cult identity religions, but that there's only salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Doctrine, it matters. And, and here, the church had fallen away as they had fallen into false doctrine. And Paul reminds them at the beginning of his correspondence that it's necessary for the pastor to be on guard. Can I tell you, Pastor Bishop, that that you must stand, you must sit, and you must lay in the gate, in the doorway of the sheepfold. I went to the Creation Museum a couple of years ago, and as we was walking, we went as a church, and as I was 
walking, one of the most astounding sights that I saw was not necessarily the ark. It was a picture of a shepherd. And it had John 10.10 written under it. And it was a picture of a shepherd. And you could see the exhaustion in his face as he sat there in the gate with his head bowed down and a staff over his shoulders. And the thing that struck me about the picture was the position that the shepherd was holding. That he was in the gate keeping the sheep from getting out of the fold and with the staff in his hand. He was keeping the wolves from getting in in order to get to the sheep. And I need to tell you, Pastor Bishop, that that is the position of a shepherd. To remain there in the gate. To keep out doctrinal error out of the church. To keep out immorality. To keep immorality out of the church. To guard the, the sheep that God has entrusted to you. Paul says, be on guard for yourself. That guard is twofold. It is to be on guard from doctrinal error, but I believe what is also implied in the warning and the admonishment is to be on guard for your own personal holiness and sanctification. Robert Murray McSheen said that a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And we live in a day and age where holiness in the ministers are found wanting. Where holiness in the ministers seems to be absent. Time and time again, there's scandals all throughout the church because some minister has fallen into immorality. Paul says be on guard. Some ministers have been so darkened and stained by sin that they could leave a black mark on a piece of coal. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that he knew of a man that could preach so well that when he got into the pulpit, he said he ought never come down. But his life was so filled with vice and scandal that Spurgeon said he ought never get up. Be on guard. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. For this is how shepherds lead the flock. But also notice that not only should the shepherd in his priority keep himself but he has the responsibility to also keep charge over the flock that God has entrusted to him. Notice that in the text it says, and continuative conjunction there. For all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Do you see that in your Bibles this morning? Not only is his priority to keep himself up, but his priority is to keep the church on the up and up. Paul says, and the flock. Now, notice the connection in the text. 
For Paul moves from talking about the moral and doctrinal aspects of the pastor and bringing the character and the theology and the, and the, and the practice of the pastor to bear on the church. That it seems to suggest to us that the way the pastor makes an impression on the sheep is to live correctly and to preach correctly. That by way of preaching good theology and by way of living out the theology that he preaches, he is to lead the flock of God from glory, from one degree of glory to the next. So he transitions and he begins to talk to the flock and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, the shepherd, his job, he, 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 he has charge over, notice what the text says, the flock, which informs us that, that the church is made up of a collection of sheep which make this flock. Are you with me this morning? They, they, are, a, they are a flock. You, you are a flock. And the shepherd's job is to shepherd. It is shepherding. You, you are sheep and his job is to shepherd you. I got news for you, church. That, that the pastor's job is, is not merely to show up when you get sick. Are you listening to me on this morning? His job is not to, to, to merely show up when your children have basketball games and, and football games. If that's your picture of a shepherd, you got the wrong view of a shepherd. His job is not merely to pray over the chicken and the green beans at your functions. His job is to shepherd your souls. The shepherd's job is shepherding. And sometimes that is by way of encouragement and sometimes that is by way of rebuke. Sometimes that is by way of lifting you up. Sometimes it is by admonishment to check you when you're wrong. Are you listening to me? To take the word of God and allow the word of God to open up your heart and to lay it bare. Are you with me this morning? His job is, is shepherding the flock, present tense, infinitive, which means that he is to keep on shepherding. That as long as he is in the church, his job is to watch over, to give, to give, to give oversight, superintending, making sure that what the sheep do in the church is done God's way, which is the right way. All the flock, which, which the Holy Spirit has made, look at that verb there, has made you overseers. Notice that, that, that he's been put here, not, not by vote. Are you listening to me? That he's been put here, not by the general consensus of the church. But the text says that, that if you have a shepherd, that is shepherding your souls, that the way he got 
in your midst is by God the Holy Spirit picking him up from your midst and setting him over you in the church. Oh, y'all don't believe me? Just look at your Bibles. It says that the Holy Spirit has made him a shepherd over the church of God, which he purchased with his own, with his own blood. The church of God purchased with the blood of God. This is what shouts me. That, that you are precious to God. And how precious are you to God? Precious enough that God has purchased you with his blood and has given you a shepherd to watch over your soul. Oh, beloved, you are precious to God. And the shepherd's job is to watch over you, to superintend, to, to, to guard you, to correct you, to push you, and to pull you from danger, to, to make sure that the sheep that has been given into his hand, that he brings them safely to glory. And one day he'll give an account for how well he loved such a precious gift. Oh, I pray that you hear me on this morning. I pray that you hear me. I'm about to let you go. But the, but the sheep are, are precious. That there is a story that is told about a man that, that, that would wanted to display his love for his bride. And so this man in this particular city found the highest hill that was in the city. And he thought that he would write the name of his wife in big box card letters on the side of this hill. So that when heliplanes and when, when, when helicopters and airplanes would pass by, they would, ever, they would be able to see the demonstration of his love. And so the man got busy one, one evening, one night. He grabbed his, his, his utensils. He, he grabbed his tools and he began to climb this hill. And as he climbed this hill and he got to the designated location, he began to write in large letters on the side of this hill the name of his beloved, which was Tina. As he began to write the T, in large letters. He started to think to himself that this job was a bit more than, than he expected for it to be. But he kept on pressing, writing and forging the name T, letter T into the hill. He, he, he went on to the next letter, the I in the name of Tina. And he began to write out the letter I on the hill. He was tired at this particular point feeling like he could not go forward. He pressed through the, the weakness and began to write down the letter N. But halfway through the letter N, he was too tired to finish the job. And so the man quit. 
right there having T-I and half of the letter N on the side of the hill. Well, some weeks had gone by and people were wondering what in the world was T-I and half of the letter N doing on the side of the hill in the city. They, they could not figure out what the message was supposed to be. And so finally the man confessed that, that he was the one that had tried to carve into the hillside the name of his beloved. But he could not finish the job because he had took on more than he was able to accomplish. The, the man reminds me of, of another man, not, not a man that, that climbed a hill and could not finish the job, but, but he reminds me of another man that, that wanted to demonstrate his love for his bride. In fact, over 2,000 years ago, that there was a man by the name of Jesus who had a bride that he wanted to demonstrate his love for. And so he climbed a hill. Somebody said that it was on a hill far away that there stood this old rugged cross. It was a symbol of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world, I wish I had some help right here, for a world of all sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. This shouts me, my brothers and my sisters, when I began to think about the love that Jesus had for me, that, that, that he shed his blood. Paul says that, that it was the blood of God, that, that this is the only place in the New Testament where you find such a construction. Now we know that the blood here is the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus, the, the, the name Jesus is not mentioned in the text. The construction simply says that it was the blood of God. Now I know what you're thinking. Y'all are a smart church, an intelligent church. Y'all are wrestling with this right now because you've learned in your Sunday school classes and on Sunday mornings that God is a spirit and you're probably wrestling right now with how can a spirit being have physical blood? How, how can an immaterial entity have some blood? I, I know that you're wrestling with that right now. I know that you're asking the question and I'm thankful for the questions I certainly intend to answer. Can I answer the question by simply asking you another question? Will you say, how does God have blood? Can I ask you on this morning, did God become a man? I, I wish I had some help on this morning. Did, did God climb down 40 and two generations. Did, did God uh, take, did God, the unbendable bar of divinity, wrap himself in the frailty of human flesh? Did God walk the streets of Palestine and heal the sick and cast out demons and, and raise the dead? Did, did God get on a cross over 2,000 years ago and, and shed his blood? The church is precious to God, my brothers and sisters. 
sisters, how precious is the church to God? Well, let me ask you another question. How precious is that flow that makes me white as snow? No other fount. I know nothing but the blood of Jesus. This my pardon. This my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I am all unrighteousness. Nothing but the blood. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me on this morning. Down at the cross. I'm just going to preach myself happy. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down at the cross where from sins I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. I wish I had some help. I'm singing glory to his name. I am so wondrously saved from sin. Jesus sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he took me in. I'm saying glory to his name. I'm saying glory and thank you Jesus for you came and you rescued me. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood that was shed. Thank you that there is a fountain that's filled with some blood. I drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners can plunge beneath that flood lose all of their guilty states thank God for the blood on this morning for it was not for the blood of Jesus we'd still be in our sins we'd still be under the wrath of God but God came down got on a cross and shed some blood for sinners like you and is there anybody in the house this morning that can thank God for the blood that can lift up holy hands in the house and say Lord thank you for your blood that was shed down at Calvary the blood that was shed way back at Calvary you know the blood don't you that's what gives me strength from day to day it will never it will never lose its power somebody said it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest of valleys you know the blood don't you the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never it will never I said it will never lose its power that's power to make you walk right I'm just going to preach myself happy that's power to make you live right that's, that's power to make you talk right that's power to love your neighbor that's power to get along with one another that's power I'm thankful for the power that is there in the blood. Power. He, it's, it's all power in the blood. Power in that blood. The job of the shepherd is to tend to the church. The job of the shepherd is to tend to himself. And it is a reminder that you are far too precious to God not to have a shepherd watching over your soul. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And we do bless you, O oh God. We magnify you, O oh God, for who you are, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, O oh God, for sending Christ, our refuge, our strength, 
a mighty fortress, a bulwark never failing, our help beneath the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Oh, still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. Yet there is that one little word that shall fail him. God, we're thankful for the cross. Thankful for this man of God that you have placed in this church. Pray that Forrest would honor this pastor and his family. As 1 Thessalonians says that they should. To hold him in high regard. As he feeds them the word of God. And I pray, Father, that you will knit their hearts even closer together than, they, than it is right now. And may there be longevity in the midst of ministers quitting pastorates. May there be longevity. May there be joy amidst the suffering and the sorrows that, that we are sure to face living in this fallen world. God, we thank you for what you are doing. We're thankful for what you have done. Thankful for what you will do. We give you thanks in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.